You're listening to the Modern Vital Podcast, which explores the relationship between environmental factors and human health. Here is your host, Dr. Ben Reeves, founder of Portland Clinic of Natural Health and creator of the Modern Vital Program, a 90-day health protocol customized to each individual health journey. Stay tuned for fun, practical, and thought-provoking health tips, along with suggestions and insights into optimizing health and preventing chronic disease through integrative, naturopathic, and functional medicine approaches. Your body is unique, powerful, and intelligent. Your treatment should be too. In today's episode of the Modern Vital Podcast, we're going to discuss how reduced blood flow in the body can drive cellular inflammation with a focus on three primary factors, deficiency, toxicity, and low energy. Our modern vital fact of the day is that reduced blood flow can also significantly impact our microbiome, leading to disruption of the balance of microorganisms within the gut and to dysbiosis, an imbalance in the composition and function of the microbiome. Hence, having areas of our body where blood flow is reduced, where there is not enough oxygen, can indirectly impact our gut. For example, exercise can improve blood flow to our cardiovascular system, which eventually makes its way to our gut. So a lack of exercise may lead to reduced blood flow to the gut and then throw off the microbiome. In medicine, we refer to this as the splanchnic circulation, which consists of the blood supply provided to the GI tract, liver, spleen, and pancreas. Splanchnic is just a fancy word which refers to the internal organs or viscera of the abdomen. Remember, in medicine, we have at least three words for everything. Proper blood flow and adequate oxygen levels are crucial for our overall well-being. And the modern world is currently facing an epidemic of oxygen deficiency. It is essential to recognize that inflammation itself is not a root cause, but rather a symptom of an underlying issue. For instance, trauma to a particular body part can result in inflammation and subsequent hypoxia if blood vessels are damaged, for example, leading to impaired blood perfusion in the affected area. Blood, which carries oxygen, which is picked up by hemoglobin, and essential nutrients for healing, plays a critical role in the recovery process. Therefore, reduced blood flow can hinder healing and perpetuate inflammation. The phenomenon of cellular inflammation due to reduced blood flow can be attributed to three main factors. The first factor is nutrient deficiency due to reduced blood flow. This can cause inflammation because nutrient and oxygen deficiencies cause cellular stress, impairing normal functions, triggering the release of pro-inflammatory molecules. Reduced blood flow leads to waste accumulation in the cells, irritating tissues, causing inflammation. Adequate blood flow is essential for immune function. Nutrient and oxygen deficiencies impair immune cell function, causing imbalances in inflammatory molecule production and increased inflammation. Reduced blood flow impairs endothelial function in blood vessels, for example, in the heart, increasing pro-inflammatory molecule production and heightening the inflammatory response. And it can significantly impact the blood vessel's ability to relax and contract. Overall, nutrient and oxygen deficiencies, and I include oxygen as a nutrient, due to reduced blood flow can trigger a cascade of events driving inflammation in the body. The second factor is impaired cellular detoxification due to reduced blood flow, which can drive inflammation. Cells need blood flow for essential nutrients and oxygen to function properly, including detoxification processes. 
Reduced blood flow limits their detoxifying ability. For example, lysosomes, which are organelles in the cytoplasm of our cells, are responsible for cleanup and they can be impaired. This whole process is called autophagy. It's the body's process for cleaning up dead debris and cells, and it can become impaired, especially by things like oxidative stress over time, which is engendered by nutrient deficiency. Adequate blood flow delivers energy sources for ATP generation. Reduced blood flow compromises energy-dependent detox processes like phase one and phase two in the liver. Reduced blood flow can limit liver and kidney function, affecting their toxin filtering abilities. Again, impacting cellular detoxification. Hypoxia, which is basically a lack of oxygen or a low level of oxygen, drives oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is toxic because free radicals are generated in the body. These are little free electrons that uh, are, due, are due to broken bonds and other events. They can ping around the body and damage cells, damage proteins, damage RNA and DNA. These free radicals are called reactive oxygen species or ROS. For example, let's say we have a rotator cuff tear. I was recently reading a study about fibroblasts. Fibroblasts make our connective tissue and are critical in the repair process, let's say, in, in a torn rotator cuff injury. In order for them to be fully operative, they require nutrients like vitamin C. They also require oxygen. And when they don't have proper oxygen, they become apoptotic. They begin to die. One of the reasons is because they've also become damaged by oxidative stress. As you can probably begin to see, everything's connected. Deficiency can drive toxicity. Toxicity can drive lack of energy. Lack of energy can go around in a circular fashion and drive deficiency. Blood flow is critical for cellular detoxification. The third factor is that reduced blood flow, and we already touched on this a little bit, affects ATP production and promotes inflammation. Blood flow delivers oxygen needed for ATP production via oxidative phosphorylation in mitochondria. We don't need to get too into this, but reduced blood flow impairs ATP production. Insufficient blood flow limits essential nutrients like glucose, fatty acids, etc., resulting in decreased ATP synthesis. Compromised blood flow leads to waste accumulation. We talked about this a little bit, and then ATP production begins to fall rapidly. Cellular stress ensues. Mitochondrial function is impaired. Again, ATP synthesis declines. Blood flow is crucial for ATP production. Oxygen deficiency is a growing concern due to factors like air pollution, deforestation, poor indoor air quality, sedentary lifestyles, improper breathing habits, having to wear multiple masks or masks throughout one's day, chronic stress. As oxygen is crucial for overall health, it's essential to explore some evidence-based strategies to increase our oxygen levels and to counteract these factors. Oxygen primarily carried by hemoglobin in red blood cells, travels from high to low pressure areas, moving from the air into our lungs, to our bronchi, to our alveoli, eventually to our capillary beds. And then it's picked up by hemoglobin and moves in our bloodstream to our tissues, eventually to our cells, and then eventually inside of our cells to our mitochondria. Henry's law is a law about pressure gradients and gases in the body, uh, things like oxygen, always move from a higher to a lower uh, pressure gradient until equilibrium is achieved. And this is how it works in the body. 
To maintain proper oxygen delivery, it's important to address the factors contributing to oxygen deficiency. Wouldn't you agree? So here are some strategies. A lot of them are pretty common sense. Let's reduce our exposure to air pollution using air purifiers if we can indoors, opting for green spaces, green plants, being outdoors around trees and plants as much as possible can uh, counteract declining oxygen levels. Engaging in regular physical exercise, it can strengthen our respiratory system, improve our lung capacity, promote deeper breathing, and then it can ensure adequate oxygen intake and distribution throughout the body. Learning and incorporating proper breathing techniques like diaphragmatic or deep breathing, these things can also enhance oxygen intake. Stress management, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, proper indoor ventilation. Now exercise is probably the most well-known and effective way to increase oxygen levels in the body. Circulation is promoted. We know that improved circulation promotes the distribution of oxygen throughout the body. Things like nitric oxide release are stimulated. Blood vessels can become dilated. Blood flow can move to areas of restriction. Spending time in nature, forests, parks, etc. There are much higher levels of oxygen in these areas uh, because of photosynthesis. Forest bathing, this is where one you know, immerses oneself in a forest environment. There are lots of health benefits that have been studied. Stress is reduced, mood is improved. Even white blood cells are generated in the immune system. Four square breathing, also known as box breathing, is another technique that can enhance oxygenation. We basically um, inhale, hold our breath, exhale, and then um, hold our breath again each time for a count to four, creating kind of a rhythmic pattern that's beneficial for um, not only our mental well-being and our physical well-being, but oxygenation. Now, hyperbaric medicine, also known as hyperbaric oxygen therapy or HBOT, is an awesome evidence-based approach to increasing oxygen levels. Basically, we're you know breathing pure oxygen in like a pressurized chamber, and the oxygen levels become so high uh, with the help of the pressure that oxygen can diffuse across our, our cell, cellular membranes right through our skin and right into our plasma and kind of skip the whole hemoglobin uh, process. Oxygen is delivered to our cells at a much more rapid and effective rate. And uh, HBOT is used to treat a lot of conditions. There are 14 conditions that are very, very serious that are approved by Medicare in hospitals. And then there are um, at least 150 uh, different uh, chronic diseases and other conditions that, uh, that HBOT is really good for. Now, a hyperbaric chamber with compressors and oxygen concentrators. Now, concentrators provide 94% oxygen. These can uh, further increase oxygen availability when combined like in a soft chamber by 800 times. Now let's talk about several naturopathic practices that can improve oxygen. Drinking water, right? You hear about drinking half of your body weight in ounces of water a day. This maintains uh, optimal blood flow. Uh, water is required like for our liver in phase one and phase two for detoxification. Oxygen nutrients are, are transported more readily and rapidly throughout the body. Waste removal occurs more efficiently, and this also um, allows oxygen to be delivered more efficiently. A balanced nutrient-dense diet, obviously a diet um, rich in um, the colors of the rainbow, rich in antioxidants, polyphenols, and even nitric oxide precursors. These can all support blood flow and overall health. Stress management practices, mind-body awareness, meditation, yoga, etc. cetera, uh, adequate sleep, getting um, at least seven or eight hours a night um, can support um, growth hormone production, melatonin production, and also engender restorative and 
processes such as tissue repair, optimal blood flow to the brain, and even lower inflammatory processes in the brain and throughout the body, which can then promote the um, diffusion and delivery of oxygen. Herbal support, um, it depends on the person, depends on the situation, but things like hawthorn or garlic or even ginkgo can improve circulation and um, potentially drive um, more blood flow to areas that are in need in the body. Consult a naturopathic doctor uh, for personalized advice. Good posture also can promote good blood flow and improve oxygenation in the body. So to summarize, reduced blood flow can drive inflammation in our bodies because of three main factors. Uh, we could even call them causes. Basically, these are deficiency, toxicity, and mitochondrial insufficiency or fatigue or not having enough energy. There are so many ways to talk about this. By supporting blood flow in our bodies, making sure we are well oxygenated, and in, uh, engaging in therapies like hyperbaric medicine, we can replete deficiency, lower toxicity, optimize our energy levels, and lower inflammation in the body. I recommend consulting your naturopathic doctor to put together an individualized healthcare plan for your health journey. And that concludes this episode of the Modern Vital Podcast. We would love to hear from you. We value your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions, please reach out to me at ben at modernvital.com. Also, please leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to having you join us next week for another exciting episode of the Modern Vital Podcast.